Well, woven into every fiber of who we are uh, as a church are a couple of sayings. They are to glorify God, uh, grow in faith, and give in love. And we call it our life's mission. We call it the mission here at St. Paul, to glorify God, grow in faith, and give in love. And the point is, is that we all have a life mission. And God has created us individually, but yet corporately and collectively uh, to pursue a life mission that God has for us. And the interesting thing about it is, no one else has the same life mission that you have. God created us corporately, but yet uniquely in a sense of that life's mission that is the life mission that we have. So the moment you become a believer, the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, you begin that journey uh, of being able to share and witness what that life has looked like, and we call that your life's mission. Uh, many of our life's mission parts are unique, and more importantly, God wants us to tell others about our life's mission. God says that, that you have a story, and that story is very important that you share that story that others might be able to hear that. It's to share our testimony, our lifestyle. It's to, to share our experiences that we have in our love with God. Uh, as Jesus was uh, ascending into heaven, he said some extremely important words. Uh, as the disciples and others, the early followers, had gathered there at that particular point, Jesus said these words, and here's how Matthew uh, shares this recollection. He says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So Jesus said, meet me at this place on this day at this particular time because I have something very important that I want to share with you. He said, when they, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. He said, uh, then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now this takes us back to understanding a little bit about what John had shared when Jesus was describing the vine and the branches. And we need to be reminded that as Jesus is of God, that, and as we are one with the vine as the branches, that we are under his authority. And that in that authority, Jesus grants us the ability and the honor and the testimony to take out into the world. He says, go and make disciples. So it's, it's an action-oriented thing. He doesn't say, sit at home, watch TV, uh, eat whatever you're eating popcorn that day as you're watching your favorite show. But he says, go and make. Go and make. Two action words that tell us to do something. But what we're called to do is, he says, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And, listen to this, teaching them, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. This is our life purpose, that we are to go and make disciples and we are to teach others what Jesus has commanded us. We are, we are called to teach them to obey. And he says, surely I will be with you always until the end of time. So there's that promise that's there. You see, some of us believe our life mission is to uh, go to school and get a great education. Some of us think that our life's mission is to, I don't know, have a great career and launch ourselves up into prosperity somewhere like that. Some of us think our life's mission is the address of the neighborhood in which we live. Some of us think our life's mission is to marry that special person in life, to have lots of kids and, and to just have a wonderful family. These are all great kinds of missions to have, but it's not the life mission. It's not the life mission that God has created us to have. 
Luke points out in Acts, he says, that the most important thing is that we complete our mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave us to tell the people the good news about God's grace. The words good news, our mission is to invite other people into the family of God. It is that invitational, it is that action, it is that moving forward, it's not idly by, it's not disconnected, it's not disconjoined, but it's actually with a purpose to move ahead and to be faithful in that. Jesus said in John 20, as the Father has sent me, I now am sending you. So as, as Jesus came into the world to share the good news after his death, resurrection, and ascension, he then calls to share and to send us. And the scripture says how we're to do that. It says we are to be God's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the entire world. Now, if you take a step back for a second, that's a huge portrait. That's a huge canvas upon which to paint, isn't it? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the world. And, and these words are so important because, as I understand, as this church was founded and planted, you know, 50-plus years ago, it was upon the ministries and of the heart of St. Paul himself that we are called into and the reflections of that and that these verses, of uh, this verse of Acts chapter 1, comes alive and gives birth and gives um, fortitude to the mission and purpose that we have here at St. Paul. So what does this mean? You know, he says, first of all, that, that, that we are to be witnesses in, um, in, in the lands, to be witnesses. What's a witness? Um, a witness is somebody who is willing to give their point of view with something. Uh, anybody ever watched the old Judge Judy shows? Have you been uh, keeping up with some of the high-profile trials that we've had here in Tampa as of late. And in all of these, it, it comes down to the witnesses. What's the witness's testimony? What does the witness have to say? What is the witness, um, what did they hear? What did they watch? What did they, what did they see? What did they do? Well, God wants us to be a witness. And, and some people think that, well, well to be a witness, that, that's up to preachers to do. And that's up to uh, missionaries to do. And that's up to uh, pastors to do. And, and, and they're, they're the ones who are supposed to tell people about Christ. Not me, I'm just an ordinary person, but, but that's left up to the professionals. They need to do that. But let me tell you what I've learned in my many years as a lay person and also as an ordained pastor is that your story of your life about how Christ came into your life and made a difference to you will far tell someone the story far greater than I can ever do by trying to tell them about your life. Your life has meaning. Nobody else can share your witness. And if you don't do it, if you don't share your witness, nobody's going to hear it. And if no one hears it, guess what? There's not a whole lot of transformation that's happening in the world around you. So where do we do it? And the writer says that, that we're to do it in a couple of places. He says, first of all, we need to do it in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the parts of the world. But what does he mean by that? Does he mean that we're supposed to get on a plane and fly to Jerusalem tomorrow? And that there, because the scripture says it begins in Jerusalem, that, that we're all called to go to Jerusalem and do that? Well, no, no. Remember where Jesus' mission and ministry was. And, and as he was there with those disciples, where did they live? They lived in and around the region of Jerusalem. So basically, when he talks about start in Jerusalem, he's, starting, he's saying, talk to the people that are in your influence. It begins with your family. It begins with your friends. It begins with your coworkers. It begins with your fellow students in school. 
That's our Jerusalem. You start with the people who are closest to you, and you start where you are. I mean, we don't have to go somewhere else to do it. We can look across the table at dinner time. We can walk across the street and people who were there. He says, then go into Judea. Judea is like a, a surrounding county. And so Judea would be Pinellas County. So our Judea is a million people. That's how many people live in Pinellas County, about a million people. So Judea is that we are to go out into our county, Pinellas, and we are to share the good news. We're to share what, what Jesus Christ is doing in our lives. And that's why our four Pinellas campaign is so important. And that's why it has been very successful because we have seen that we are for this entire region. We are for a million plus people um, who live and who work around in the areas of where we are. He says, then go into Samaria. Some of us get confused as to what Samaria is. What is our Samaria? Um, it's, like the, it's like the county next door. It's, it's, it's anybody who doesn't speak your language. It's anybody who doesn't look like you. It's people that you would probably not want to associate yourself with for whatever reasons, because you're uncomfortable. Maybe it's a, a racial barrier. Maybe it's a, a sexual barrier. Maybe it's a, an ethnicity barrier. Um, it, it does, that's your Samaria. It's, it's going beyond your own comfort zone. It is reaching into newer lands, people that are different than you. So the question that I have for us this morning is, do any of us know anyone who speaks a different language than English? And the odds are we probably do. And if you live in Pinellas County, then you do know somebody who speaks something other than English. In fact, Pinellas County is one of the fastest growing um, counties in our country for kind of a, a, um, a plethora of different languages of people of different ethnicities and different cultures that have come together to live in one place. So we don't have to go very far to find our Samaria. Our Samaria is here, it's around us. It's in the places that, that we thought we would never go and the people that we thought we would never engage with. Then he says, he says, go to the ends of the earth. You know, for hundreds and hundreds of, of years, Christians couldn't do that literally. They couldn't just go around the world back in the days of Jesus. In fact, during the days of Jesus, it's likely they thought that the earth was flat. And they, they weren't really sure what was out there and how far the lands really were and, and the territories of which to go. They couldn't reach out to that. But you know what? We can do that. The way that travel is made easy for us today, in fact, I were, if I were to say that, that many of us in this room, we've, we've gotten on cruise ships, we've gotten on airplanes, we've gotten on trains, we've driven in our cars, we've been in foreign countries, haven't we? We've been in places around the world. And the challenge of what we're learning here is, is instead of just always being a tourist, instead of always just consuming and getting something for our own benefit, what are we doing to share the witness and the love and the good news of Jesus Christ. So to get into the world is not a difficult thing at all when we break it down. So what is it that we're supposed to share? We're supposed to share two words, good news. Say those words, good news. Good news, that's it. What are you supposed to do? We're to share good news. Mark writes, proclaim the good news to everyone, everywhere. Everyone, everywhere. So it's not just in places that we wanna pick and, and look at and say, well, I'm, I'm attracted to this or that, or I'll only go here or there. It says everywhere and with everyone. Now, most of us um, think in a certain way, and we're thinking about, wait a minute now. I know my friends. They, they don't want to hear the good news. They don't want me to bother them with this church stuff. 
But let me tell you, they do. What they don't want is they don't want you spouting religion at them. They don't want you beating them over the head with your Bible with a message that, that you're trying to convey about the love of God as you're causing them to bruise on their face in every other place because you're hitting them with your Bible. Don't do that. Share the good news. The point is, the problem is, is that many of us have forgotten what the good news is. We've been Christians for so long that we just kind of have become a little bit apathetic with this faith that we confess. And we have become to a point where, where we're not really sure what good news is anymore for our own selves. But I want you to begin thinking about what your life was like before you met Jesus and how your life was different the moment you did. How before you met Jesus, you didn't have hope. You were irritated a lot. You weren't sure what life had to offer. You weren't even um, aware of what a prayer could do. But after you met Jesus, everything changed, didn't it? And that's the good news that we want to share. And what happens is that, that the longer that we're Christians, though, the more we tend to take for granted how good the good news really is. We need to take a step back. We need to pause for a second. And we need to realize what we have before us is of great importance. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1. He says, the good news shows how God takes right people with himself or makes right people with himself, that it begins and ends with faith. And the scripture says, those who are right with God will live by trusting him. And, and what he means is when you trust Jesus Christ with your life, then some wonderful things are gonna happen. How many of us in the room literally trust Jesus with our life? Hopefully we all do. And when we trust Jesus with our life, some wonderful things happen. Here's, here's the first thing that happens when you trust Jesus with your life. You receive forgiveness for, for your past. Forgiveness for your past. Now let's say that, um, uh, let's say that I have collected uh, media, newsreels, uh, Facebook tweets, um, Instagrams, all the stuff that we've used through the years, Super 8, projector film, I mean, all the stuff that we've used through the years. Let's say that I've collected that in your life, and let's say that I've created a big movie, and we're going to watch your life, all of its secrets, and all of its public and private things, we're going to watch it on the screen. How many of you would welcome that? I wouldn't welcome that. We've, none of us bats a thousand, do we? Because we're not perfect in our life. And because our lives, we make great mistakes and we have challenges that, that come with that. But you see, whenever we, whenever we take that step and we trust in Jesus Christ, when that first thing happens that, that our past is forgiven, then what he literally would do is he would like cut up all those film reels. He would like burn them to where they were nothing but soot and ashes. And he would say that, that the, screen, the screen is now blank and you cannot be harmed by your past anymore because you trust me. And because you trust me, I will make you well. Jesus takes care of our present, and he also gives a, a purpose for our living right now. So he, he says that, that, that life is of importance. It's not just what we hope for in the future, but it's also right now. And that's why the gospel writers and even Jesus himself constantly said that the kingdom of God is at hand. Folks, we live in the kingdom of God right now. It's not something that's far off that we have to wait for. The kingdom of God is now. We live in God's kingdom. And Jesus proclaimed that. I meet people all the time who, who say to me, I'm, I'm just trying to find myself. I want to find myself. If I could just find myself, then I would be such a better person. And maybe you've 
struggle with those words yourself about finding yourself. Well, you know what? If you're trying to find yourself, you're, you're probably not going to like what you find. Right? You're, you're probably not because we all have this set of ideals that, that places this, this ideal uh, uh, place that we want to be at. But yet, it's so hard for us to get there. And something is missing in our lives because we can't get there by ourselves. And the truth is, God is missing. God is missing in our lives. We weren't made to live and go through life on our own power. And until we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, our life doesn't have purpose. It doesn't matter. It doesn't give any relevance to anything. It doesn't even make sense. But John reminds us that Jesus said that, that I came so that you might have life and you, you might have it to the fullest. He didn't say I came so that you could have religion. He didn't say I came so that you could recite a creed and a couple of scriptures. He said I came so that you might really live. So that's the second piece that we learn when we, when we give our life to Christ. Here's the third one. The third thing is, is that we get a future. A future. And, and what that means is that, that we understand that there's a home in heaven. Wherever heaven is, none of us knows where heaven is. We think it's up in the sky somewhere, but who, who knows? But what we do know is heaven is with God. And that when we are in heaven with God, there's no more tears, there's no more crying, there's no more anger, there's no more fighting, there's no more positioning as to who is better, there's no hatred between people because they don't like you. That we are all of one and we're all peace. But most people hope that they're going to heaven. They'll say, well, I really hope I'm being a good person so that one day I can go to heaven. And, and that understanding isn't really what the scripture says. I mean, we, we are good people because of the faith and the hope and the life of Christ in us. We are good people because of that, but we don't work our way into heaven. Most people in their mind, they think that, it, that the way to get heaven is you've got to be good enough. But let me tell you, as I read the scriptures as you do, none of us is good enough, are we? All of us fall short. None of us can reach that place. So, so God, God looks at this world and looks at this whole situation, and God says, you know what? You can't do this on your own. God says, I'm going to show you something, and what I'm going to show you is I'm going to show you myself, and I'm going to come in the world in the flesh, and they're going to call me Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, and I'm going to show you what it means to be close to God, close to me. And Jesus gave his life because Jesus' life was perfect. And because he gave his perfect life on the cross and died for our sin, our lives will never be the same again. He paid for our sin, he went back to heaven, and now we get to connect with his righteousness, that's a big word, righteousness, his perfection, his cleanness, and we get to connect with that, and if we trust him. Paul writes in Romans 6, God's free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. It means that we don't earn it. It means that, that it's not something that we, we have to earn. We can't own it in, in any way. It's just a free gift. So when we think about these things, that, that when we get to know God, when we get to know Jesus, that, that our past is forgiven, that we live in the kingdom's mission and purpose now, that we have a future in heaven this is good news. I mean, how many of you like to hear that message? Anybody hear, like to hear that message, that those three things are possible? Yeah, there's like crickets in the room. Nobody wants to hear that. So, so when we think about that, think about the importance of that message. 
Do you think that, that, that you could explain just exactly what I shared with you with someone else? It's not hard to do, and that's the message. Why share it? Why care about people around us? Why, why care about others that are there? Why care about who is in Christ and who isn't? Why care about love or anything else? What's the motive? The motive is this, as Paul writes, the motive for our mission is love, for the love of Christ compels us to do this. What is your motivation to share the love of Jesus? What is your motivation to ensure someone connects with the family of God? It is the love of Jesus Christ that compels you. It's not a possibility. It's not a, hey, if you think about it or you might want to do this, Christ compels us to do this because everybody matters to God. Who are you responsible for? You're responsible for the people that God has placed in your life. Whether you know them or whether you don't know them, whether it's a stranger that walks down the street, whether it's somebody while you're sitting there getting your oil changed at the dealership, it's the person who is there. We are responsible for the people that God places around us. We are responsible for all those things because the love of Christ compels us. If my child was in a house that was burning down, I would run into that house and I would do everything in my power, everything physically in my power to rescue the child that I love. I would, I would bust down burning walls. I would allow my flesh to become burned. I would become scorched if I could just save that child from the flames that were there. People would say, boy, Bob, you, you would be really brave to do that. No, I wasn't brave. I wasn't courageous. I did it because, or I want to do it because I love them because the love of Christ compels me. You see, we have to love our friends, we have to love the stranger, we have to love people around us enough with that kind of love. We have to love them so that they can know the love of Jesus Christ. So the question this morning is, who is it that's in your family? Who is it, is it, is it a mother, is it a father, is it a grandparent? Is it a child, is it an aunt or an uncle? I mean, who is it, is it a sibling, is it your brother or sister? Who is it in your family that doesn't know Jesus? Who is it in your family that has no awareness at all about the good news of the love of God for their life? That's the person you need to love enough that you will do whatever it takes to help them hear the good news. Don't leave it to me to do it. You have the testimony. You have the power, and Christ compels you. Christ compels you to do this. How do I do it? How do I share my mission? You know, we developed these little cards. As, I don't know if you have these. If Maybe you have these. You got them on the way in. Or if not, there you go. Hold them up for a second. Everybody got one of these cards. We're making this really easy. And, and one of the things is, as your pastor, I always want to make things simple because we don't need to complicate this thing. So what does this mean? I mean, this is a go and make disciples and people that you want to pray about on here. I want you to think about through this week who were seven people that you know that may not know Jesus, who are seven people, and I want you to write their names down on this card, and I want you to begin a time of prayer over it. I want you to pray for them. I want you to begin to think about a way that you will interact in your own ministry to connect with them, and that you will help them come to know the good news and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Make this your, I want them to be in heaven with me list, okay? Maybe we'll just call it that. Who is it that you love enough that you want to make sure that they're there with you, that they know about the love of God? And take this, hold on to it, 
Write those names down. Don't write down people that are already connected. Don't write down you know, your spouse who's, been, who's, who's already you know, a, a lover of Jesus. Write down the person that, that you know is struggling or somebody that you need to make an introduction to. And I want to encourage you also to bring them to church. Bring them to church. You know, George Gallup ran a poll that said that 34 million people in our country said that they would attend a church if someone just invited them. Do you see how easy that is? 34 million people. Do you think you know any of those 34 million people? Probably. Probably. Would it make a difference in, in Pinellas County? Absolutely. Just think about it. On any given Sunday, we have about 800 people that connect with us through worship. Let's say just 400 adults, just 400 adults took this seriously. And let's say that 400 adults identified seven individuals that they wanted to make a loving relationship with and wanted to connect and share the good news with. That's almost 3,000 people almost 3,000 people just like that that would come into the love of Jesus Christ because you love them enough to want to do something with that. You see, when, when, when Jesus said those words, be my witness, the word witness in Greek actually translates to martyr. So what does a martyr do? A martyr is sold out to the cause. A martyr is willing to do whatever is necessary. A martyr will go to the ends of the earth even at their own peril of their own body and life and flesh to make sure that the cause that they are pursuing, the cause that they are championing is successful. Jesus said, be my martyr in Jerusalem, in your families, in your social circles, uh, with your children, with your neighbors and the people around you. Be, be a martyr, be a witness here in Pinellas County your Judea, Samaria, people that don't talk like you, people whose language is different, people that don't look like you, people that you don't know that are different. Engage with them and all the world, wherever you might travel, be a witness for Jesus Christ. You see, folks, if we take this seriously, if we take this seriously, then we know that we're fulfilling our life's mission and our life's purpose for Jesus Christ. Now what? Jesus says, go and do.